Good day, and welcome to the new season of Mindful, the podcast of the Canadian Psychological Association. We're gearing up for our annual convention, which is taking place in Calgary starting on Friday of this week. And I wanted to start this season before the convention began, in large part because my first guest is the artist Betty Albert. The CPA commissioned Betty to create a t-shirt design uh, for t-shirts that we're going to be selling at the convention. They're Every Child Matters orange t-shirts, and the proceeds from their sale at the convention will be going to Indigenous activists' organizations making a difference here in Canada. Now, June is Pride Month, and we're going to talk a lot about Pride and specifically issues affecting trans and gender diverse communities over the course of this season. It's also Indigenous History Month, and that's where we're going to begin with this first episode. Betty Albert is an Indigenous artist whose works have been shown around the country, particularly in the wake of the horrific discoveries at the sites of former residential schools in recent years. We're going to talk about that and also about art itself, something I'm keen to bring to the show as I know very little about the art world myself. My name is Eric Bowman. I'm the communications person at the CPA. Welcome to Mindful. My name is Betty Albert, and my art name is uh, Wabi Miguel. It means white feather in Cree, and it was my father that gave me that name, so I use it uh, when I sign my art. I've lived mostly in Northern Ontario most of my life, anyways, and uh, like I was just telling you, I go back and forth between Winnipeg and actually not Winnipeg, I go to Selkirk. Uh, okay. That's where my son and my daughter-in-law and my three grandchildren live. And I have a lot of uh, connection with uh, Winnipeg because I've been going there, like I said, for 21 years uh, to Sundance. So I have a great big Sundance family and um, it's just beautiful uh, to have that kind of connection there. And, and I, I love Manitoba. I just love it. And I love all the people there and all my friends are there. And uh, so this year, of course, I won't be going, but uh, I will uh, certainly miss it. We're going to my son's convocation. I'm so proud of him. Of course, I tell everybody that he just got his PhD in political science. And uh, he got a job here in Northern Ontario for the Meshkikwik Tribal Council, which is our tribal council. And that's the reason why I'm here, just to support them while my daughter-in-law is uh, finishing her master's and um, as a psychotherapist, by the way. Oh, and, terrific. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm helping them out. And then I'll see what happens after. I might stay here a little longer or go back to Manitoba. It depends what, who, who needs me the most. <laughs> and so I have a, I have a traveling studio. <laughs> Actually, uh, after all these years of going back and forth, I, I, I can fit most everything that I need, everything that I own in my car. That's all of my art, my brushes, everything I need to, to produce art and um, just fill up my car and go to either Manitoba or come back to Northern Ontario. <laughs> I've been painting for 30 years now. Uh, that and, sounds amazing. Uh, I have my own little podcast studio that I can move with me where I go, but uh, yeah, that takes yeah. up way more of my luggage than I would like it to. It's uh, it's something that I perfected over the years, <laughs> how to pack. <laughs> I have a suitcase that I've had for, I, I forget how many years I've had it, but it fits all of my brushes, all of my paint. It's a huge suitcase and it's got wheels, thank God. And I get one of my sons to lift it up and put it in my car and pretty well everything I need. Then it's my clothes, my boots, my winter coat. Of course, I have a uh, goose, um, what are those uh, 
I can't remember the name of that company that makes those really warm uh, jackets. Canada Goose thing. Oh, what is it? Something like that. Yes, I, yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah. either. Yeah, for Winnipeg, because I, I was there one year and it was like minus 50, I think. Yeah. For about a week and a half. And so I, you need to really uh, have some good gear when you go to Manitoba for winters. <laughs> I, lived, I lived in Winnipeg for one year when I was eight years old. And I remember okay. that there were days where school was closed, uh, not because it was too snowy like it is here in Ottawa, but because it was too cold to go outside oh, and get in the school bus and go to school. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of mornings I woke up, opened the curtain and went, oh my God, ice fog, closed the curtain, went back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go anywhere today. <laughs> I felt kind of sorry for all the poor folks that have to go, you know, in that, in that, uh, but it's very cold in uh, Winnipeg. That's why I guess they call it Winterpeg. But anyways. Um, I expect uh, so. I also remember that in the spring, there were days where school was closed because there were too many mosquitoes outside. Yeah. Yeah, that well, you know, there's a lot of that in Northern Ontario. I'm, I'm pretty well immune to uh, mosquito bites or any kind of bite for that matter, growing up in Northern Ontario. And uh, I, I grew up in a small little village um, just north of campus gazing. And uh, it was isolated. And there was a bus on tracks that used to take us to town only to, uh, every second day there was a bus. But it was just like muskeg and uh, flies like you would not believe it. we used to wear nylons over our heads you know those those uh, right yeah we all look like little aliens out there but <laughs> that is the only way to survive <laughs> <laughs> and i get a, i get a mosquito bite now it doesn't even show i mean i, I have such an immune system to uh, you know to fight those mosquito bites but um, i started uh, painting when i was uh, young about 16 not really painting but drawing and and uh, I did it all the way through. And then uh, when I met my father, I was adopted. And my, my parents, my adoptive parents are French Canadian. Serendipity or a bunch of series of events happened. And by truly accident, I found my adopted mother and my adopted father. And I always had this thing about native like ceremonies. My father used to tell me about them. And uh, it was always so fast, my adopted father. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, they have something there that's really powerful. He was telling me about the shake tent. It always struck me as being, wow, I, I, I'd really want to experience that. I, when I met my father, he's Cree. My father is um, Cree from uh, Moose, Moose Factory, that area. He was born in Attawapiskat. Uh, his name was Lindbergh Ludet. He was the first native commercial pilot in Canada. Okay. And so he was just a young guy and, and you know, there were the, Flying was a big way of transportation up north, and he used to hang around the Moosney um, airport, and uh, they kind of took a liking to him, and uh, he was interested in flying, so the pilots used to give him books and stuff and help him out, you know. Eventually, he went and wrote his exam, and he topped it. He aced it out of the group, and he became uh, the first uh, commercial uh, Native American pilot in Canada. And then wow. he owned his own airline and did really well with it. Retired a millionaire at 45 and, and moved to Florida and uh, went shrimping. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, came back to Northern Ontario and got involved in uh, Native politics. They started, he was one of the first ones to start the Nishinaabeaski 
Nation and uh, the Meshkigwek Tribal Council, and he was a uh, Grand Deputy Chief and Chief of one of the First Nations up here. And that's when I met him. And he's, I was applying to university and he said, no, 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 you, you don't do that. You're, you're, you already have a job, you're an artist. I had shown him my art and he started supporting me through uh, my, uh, my art career. And uh, that's how I got started. That's great. Uh, now, can you tell me a little bit about the shape tent? What does that entail? Well, it's like, um, it's like a communication device. Like there are five poles that they put up and uh, there are bells on the five poles and it's um, surrounded by a tarp. The practitioner, the person that goes into the, the shake tent um, has a rattle. They hold the pole, the main pole, and it starts to shake, like it goes back and forth like this. And uh, people come and give their tobacco and ask questions. But it used to be like, you used to be able to communicate with other, other uh, families it was a means of communication. Okay, and, from a distance, I guess. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they'd find out where where the, you know, for the Northern Crees, they'd find out where the, the, the best place to be to get geese or to get, you know, moose or caribou, depending on how far north you went, but up the James Bay uh, coast where the caribous are. And also about medicine, medicines to use to treat uh, certain uh, things. And yeah, it, it was a communication device. Yeah. Interesting. So you didn't go to university. You decided I'm going to do art instead. Your father encouraged you. At that time, were you doing indigenous style art or was it something different? No, 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 I wasn't. No, we, uh, so we moved to a reserve here in Northern Ontario called Wagashig and um, he was chief then. Or he had been chief. He just had. Uh, anyways, we we moved there and uh, we started a little art group. And of course, I I could I had to change my style. And it, it was weird because I had a dream, and I I woke up and I right away I started to draw that dream, and there, an image came to me, and it was in a stylized a, a woman holding a little girl's hand. And um, I, I just drew it out. My father said, that's it. That's it. And then I thought, well, what do I do with this image? It's like, this is it. What do I do with that? And, and he said, make, make her move. And it was like, all of a sudden the tap went on. And I just like, oh, my God, I can make her move. I can make her do all kinds of stuff. And it never stopped. It still hasn't stopped. I still do uh, uh, basically the same image, but I make her move. And that was like 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so 30 years as an artist, how has that been? Was it tough getting started or was the support of that community uh, enough to get it well, off the no, ground right away? It was, it was kind of like I, I got started. I had a friend uh, from Curve Lake, Norman Knott, famous artist, actually. He came to our reserve and uh, taught me how to use acrylics because I was only using a pen and uh, pencil and ink. And what he really taught me was how to play, how to play with it, how to just let it, let it do its thing and how to move, let, let it move it on its own and how, how to use the brushes. And at first it was like, 
when I was first learning how to use the brush, it was like a little mop going across. You know, I was dragging this little mop. Yeah. <laughs> it was a weird transition from ink, you know, and a pen and a pencil where you it's, you know. But anyways, it was fun. And and that was the most, again, a, another moment, aha moment was, you know, just have fun, just play. And again, I've been playing for 30 years. So at first it was, it was really, my father was really uh, enthusiastic about what I was producing. And he was, as soon as he'd, I'd finished a piece, he'd take it and he'd go off and sell it. And for me, like for the first 10 years of my career, it was like highway robbery, like really they bought that like oh right. my god like, <laughs> I never really quite felt like that was you know like I had arrived yet but you know what I I, I just kept on growing and growing and, and it was so encouraging that people were actually buying it like it was shocking and uh, until I received a, a, an award from Nishinaabe Aski Nation uh, you know, because we were in business by then, we were doing limited editions, lithographs, and um, selling a lot of art. And he would take it all, fill up the van, we'd frame it, and uh, he'd take it up north, and he'd come back with not a stick left in the in the van. And it was like, holy moly! And we would just reinvest and reinvest and, and buy equipment that we needed for framing and matting. And eventually, he went across to the states. And um, the, uh, he went to a, an Indian casino just across in Sault Ste. Marie. It's called Kiwain Casino. Mm -hmm. And they were building the casino. And the woman that was running the, the casino loved my art. And she would say, paint a bigger, paint bigger pieces. Eventually, I painted a piece that was 14 feet. Wow. 14 feet. I, I painted it in a, in a uh, uh, what do you call those... Uh, where they they put planes and what do you got? It, just a huge garage, like a huge. Um, I can't think of the word. A, a hangar, I think. A hangar. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Anyways, I painted it over a weekend, just the background, and it was it was the perfect weather. It was humid, and the paint didn't dry because I used acrylics, and I had to go across fourteen feet, you know, to blend all the paint, and then we flip it around. And uh, once it was done, we rolled it up in a sono tube. We put it in a sono tube and put it on top of the van and tied it up real good and delivered it to, um, to the casino. But they were really, really supportive and bought a lot of art. Eventually I was able to buy a house. So we moved to Fox Lake, uh, Chapel Creek First Nation. That's where I built a house and a studio and my sons uh, were raised there and, uh, Oh, eventually I bought a, a huge building in, in Cochrane and had an art gallery there for about eight years and also printed, I was printing my own work by then, printing other artists' work uh, with a pigment uh, large format printer. It was near, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 65 this year. So that was like, you know, when I was in my 50s and I, I just longed for the day where I could just paint and not worry about selling or framing or, and, and it, it came, it, it happened. I, so I've been just painting uh, for the last 12 years. Yeah. Now I imagine that when you have a gallery, there's a lot of other artists who want to get into the gallery and there's a process that goes on there that 
you know, you might have to reject people and then you have to encourage others and that kind of thing. Is that a, the difficult part of it? Well, the gallery was only open in the summertime. So we kind of uh, used it as a, 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 to go along with the tourist season. So what we would have is like big buses coming over from the States, people from that were going up to Moosey on the um, Polar Bear Express. So oh. we were only open in the summertime for maybe a little bit in the fall, maybe a little bit earlier in the spring. So uh, we had other artists, but mostly it was, you know, what I was selling. So I didn't really have to do that. I didn't, because uh, we were closed the rest of the, of the year. We were still selling, like we'd go to shows and stuff like that, but uh, the gallery wasn't open all the time. And now that you have, for the past 12 years, had the freedom to just go in your studio, paint, create. How has that changed what you're doing? Is it made a difference in the type of art that you do? Yeah. You know, I've been able to really pay more attention to what I'm doing, like take my time, be more precise with what I want. Uh, yeah, it's changed. It's changed my art. Not that I was you know, not doing that before, but I, I, I can explore different things. I can be more so I've added um, uh, more detail in uh, what, I, what I'm doing now. And it's given me the opportunity to explore other things, which is really a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, I have my computer here, but uh, you know, I bought another computer. I really love digital art. Oh yeah. That's, that's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying doing that. So I, I had to learn how to use Photoshop in order uh, for me to print large format prints so that I could um, adjust the painting. Like I would do my own photography and put it on Photoshop and adjust it so that, uh, you know, I'd take the glare out and fix it up so that it was nice and then print it. And that was years ago. And that's all I really learned out of it. But I knew that there was more to that. Like I could see all the tools and, but I didn't really have time at, at that time. But now I do. So of course I taught myself all the shortcuts and how to how to use and I have a little um, what's it called? a Wacom uh, tablet that I I can uh, use uh, with Photoshop along with you know and um, oh I'm having a lot of fun with that. <laughs> Man, that's that's one thing I wish I had the skills uh, in Photoshop. I every time I open it to touch something up or adjust something, I have to Google how to do it and follow the steps. And then I can just barely make something happen. And that's, that's all the ability I have, but. Oh, it's so much fun when you learn, you know, how to like what I can do. Like I'll take a, fo a photo of, of a background that I've done, you know, like I've actually painted, uh, mm -hmm. I'll take a photo of it, bring it into Photoshop and start cutting pieces out and, using it and putting shadows and making it round and adding it and you know maybe add it to another background that I had before and bring it in and oh it's it's just it's limitless what you can do in uh, in uh, photoshop and it's 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 been a lot of fun i uh, so i'm looking forward to you know setting up my other computer that I bought because this one here is really slow and it's so disappointing, you know, when you're trying to do something. So just to have fun with it, you know, just to see what I can. And of course, like being able to bring my style in into that, the Photoshop is another thing too. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I imagine it is, right? I, I imagine every artist has their style and then to transfer it to a different medium and a different you know, yeah. technology, I guess, uh, yeah. would be a, a, an interesting task. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, like when I was in Winnipeg, I, you know, I have Lawrence Martin is my, he sells my art and I don't have to sell it, which is good. You should never, you know, artists should never sell their art. They'd be giving it away all the time. So I, I you know, if somebody loves a piece, I, I'm practically going to give, you know, I, so I, I have to go through someone who can do that. And he's been doing it for 20 years now. And so he called me up and say, I, you should do a bigger piece, like uh, maybe a 36 by 48. Okay. I drive from Selkirk to Winnipeg. I go to Art Emporium and I go pick up my canvas and I'd be home within an like an hour less and I would be able to start painting it. Well, I live in Northern Ontario now where I have to order the canvas. To, it, it'll take two weeks for it to come if I'm lucky because with you know, COVID and all the, all the problems that we've had with uh, supply, it might take longer. Right. So I, I'm thinking like, well, I have a lot of paint and canvas in Photoshop. <laughs> I could never run out, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no yeah, I'm not going to make that transition completely, but I'm hoping that I can start showing some of my uh, digital art at some point. That'd be great. Now, Let's uh, talk about your style for a moment here. And I brought one of the shirts. The shirts came in that we commissioned you to do for uh, the CPA. And I'm hoping that you can uh, just tell me about this design. Uh, what went into it and what was it that you were uh, conveying here in this image? Uh, so uh, it's Every Child Matters. And um, uh, that that was a, just a... You know, when the 215 happened, we already knew. My father went to um, residential school. So we knew all the horrors that happened in those residential schools. And there was no way of, even if you told, like I would tell people, like this is a horror, horror. But they still wouldn't get it. They just didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like they, it was hard to portray, like to, have that impact and then when the 215 happened it was like oh it just opened up opened up the whole thing and it was just really sh like it wasn't shocking because I already knew right. about the horrors I already knew it and but it would just like reopen that whole chapter of you know and it was like really um stunning again it was and, and you know what it, it just brought it all back it was like those little babies those children looked like my grandchildren they looked like them like they were just those little sweet little children that were taken over and over generation after generation it was just like mm -hmm. I, so I could I just couldn't sleep I woke up at one o'clock in the morning and just thought, oh, I'm feeling all of this. And, you know, as an artist, you just like, what you feel is what goes into the art and, and other people feel it. Hopefully other people feel it. And they have been feeling what, what I've put into my art all these years, but I was really feeling a lot and I was feeling a lot for everyone, all of us. And um, 
I drew out this one image. That's not the one, but I drew out another one. And, and it was like a 30 by 40 uh, canvas. So it was quite large. And it just all came out like just, you know, and then it was finished and I had the 215 little stars around it. And I took a picture of it and it was finished by eight o'clock. Right. And I put it on Facebook, which I, I, I do a lot. I, I put my art on Facebook and it was like, Oh my God, I had like 800 and some views by nine o'clock, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was, I sold it by nine 30. I had two two organizations that wanted to buy it, and by nine thirty, it was sold. It right. was sold uh, to the Southeast um, Child and Family Services in uh, Winnipeg, and it was a, like a. I was getting offers between the uh, Ontario Native Women's Association wanted to buy it, but I said, "Well, whoever comes in first with," and I sold it to the Southeast, but. It, it just was, it, uh, it had an impact, this one image. It was, it, people felt it. And uh, the, uh, I work with the Artists Against uh, Racism, or Artists Against Racism, yeah. Uh, and they uh, managed to put it on a billboard, that one right. image. And it was uh, throughout Canada, across the, 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 the digital billboards. And, um, then I did a, a few more, which is one of one of those, that image that you have there. And I did maybe three uh, Every Child Matters um, paintings. And um, it was just, I needed to get that out of, out of my system. I needed to put it on. And that's how I speak. I don't speak very, like, I, this is very rare. I, I don't do um, very many, um, interviews or um but i um anyways I, i'm not sure my train of thought went um, <laughs> that's okay well i very much appreciate you taking the time to yeah. to do this interview with us here and i i mean there is something about art that can i guess galvanize people or inspire people but it can also in a way uh, move people, right? And in this particular instance, there's a huge reckoning that we have across Canada with what we did in residential schools, right? What was a, yeah. was a genocide. And yeah. for those of us who haven't really been paying attention, and I would count myself among those, right? I, I knew about residential schools. I knew that the last one closed in the 90s. I knew that they were terrible. I We never, I don't think, took the time to look at the scale of how terrible they were. Yeah. And now that we have yeah. that reckoning, I think images are able, you know, and, and paintings like yours are able to, I, I guess, distill it, right? When you say an image is worth a thousand words. And yeah. hopefully that, that actually is the case. Do you think that there, I, I guess I'm hoping that you can maybe put into words what you think art can do in a moment like this. It's shocking to the rest of us in Canada, but it's uniquely painful for uh, our Indigenous communities who knew about this for so long. And you put your feelings and your emotions into the art that you create. And do you have a hope when you do that that art 
moves people in a certain way or that it, or is it just a self-expression and whatever people take from it, you're happy with Oh, that. no, listen, I, you know, our, my art is always a, um, a result of, um, of uh, working uh, in a healing capacity with uh, First Nations, you know, um, that, like through Sundance and through other healing uh, healing uh, ceremonies. And I've always, it's always come from that place. So we've been dealing with, with the result of uh, residential schools for, for me for the last 20 years, because I attend those, those um, ceremonies and, uh, you know, the pain and the suffering that uh, people are still going through uh, is uh, immense. And having those ceremonies is, um, fuels my, my creative, uh, you know, it, it, it's part of the, how I create, where, where it comes from, is, is uh, from the ceremonies and from he the healing that happens at ceremonies. Immense healing happens at, at Sundance and through sweat lodges and uh, like I was telling you, shake dance, immense healing happens there. And, and that is where I, I'm inspired by that. I'm inspired by the resilience. I could go on and on and on and tell you stories about what I've witnessed. Uh, you know, people completely shattered coming to ceremony and the healing that takes place over time is, is just their third. And this, the victory, the success that comes from, from that healing is, um, it's part of what I, what I paint. That's where it comes from. Thank you to Betty Albert for taking the time to speak with me and for granting me a rare interview opportunity on the Mindful Podcast. If you're attending the CPA convention in Calgary this weekend, be sure to pick up one of the t-shirts she designed in the spirit of healing from the residential school's horror with which we are all now grappling. Keep listening for the rest of this season as we discuss Indigenous allyship, transgender rights, and needle fears amid the ongoing pandemic. Mindful is written, produced, hosted, edited, and published by me, Eric Bolman. Our theme music is Avenues by David Taylor. <laughs>